Hi, my name's Taylor Chapman, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Let's actually jump right on in there, and let's see what God has in store for you with today's message. Last week, we started our Kingdom Come series, and we focused on two main areas. Number one, you have to be born in a particular kingdom to be a citizen of that kingdom. And whenever you are born of that kingdom, you have access to everything that that kingdom has for you. The second thing we learned is as a member of the heavenly kingdom, you are an ambassador. Say ambassador. Before salvation, you are ambassador on this earth as the satanic kingdom that you were born into. After you give your life to Christ, you become an ambassador for Christ. And an ambassador in its truest form is someone who doesn't offer their personal opinion, but only the opinion of that of the culture of which they came out of. So as an ambassador, the only mindset that you have as a believer is what does the kingdom look like and say in this particular situation? Okay, uh, that's all the recap you're going to get. Uh, go back and rewatch it. Go online, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, YouTube, watch it, Facebook. And I want to encourage you. I'm not going to try to be mean here, but I've watched it three times. Not because I like seeing myself on a camera. I can care less about that. I do the audio version. I have it 1.5 speed so I can go faster. But the content that was in there will change your life. It was good, wasn't it, Debbie? Thanks, Debbie. Good stuff. Today we're going to continue talking on our kingdom series. I have to be real honest with you. I don't know how long this series is going to go. Every time I feel like I'm coming to the end, God begins to show me something different about where we're at. So this could be like a six to eight week series. Um, so we're only in week two. So today and next Sunday, it's more foundation. And after that, uh, you're going to have like that. You ever ever had like that light bulb moment where you're just like, oh, I promise you, oh, even Levi is going to have one. <laughs> it's about time, Levi. In every kingdom, there are four aspects, and we're only going to look at the first two today and the next two next week. So let's pull out your notes, uh, and we're going to look at the first two. We're going to go kind of quick on these. Kingdoms have a, write down a king. Kingdoms have a king. If you don't know how to spell king, it's on the screen behind you or in front of you. Uh, the second thing is kingdoms have a domain. Write that word down, domain. Kingdoms have a king, and kingdoms have a domain. This is standard in every kingdom. There is a king, there is a domain, which in a kingdom means, the domain means the king owns everything in the domain. He owns the people, he owns the money, he owns the buildings, he owns everything. And the main responsibility of the king, write down number, uh, not, I guess it's not a number, write down this, the next point, is the king governs the land. The main responsibility of a king is to govern the land. He governs the people, the land, the, the building, everything that is within that kingdom. It is his responsibility to govern and make sure all is functioning how it is supposed to function. Now, there is a Hallmark movie called Royal Hearts. Anybody seen this movie? Anybody? Any Hallmark fan? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Come. Terrence, don't even lie. Every night it comes on on your TV at 7.30, I know. In this movie called Royal Hearts, Hank and his daughter Kelly live in Montana. One afternoon, he finds out that his ancestor dies, and he doesn't really care. He's the typical old farmer, like, I want my dog, I want my farm, leave me alone, I got my fence up, the fences make good neighbors because I can keep you over there and I can be over here. That type of guy is who this is. But as you watch the movie, Hank finds out that he has an ancestor who died who lives in another part of the world. Uh, Hank was the next surviving person to this deceased 
king. It was important that the monarchy found Hank because the kingdom no longer had someone to govern what was to happen to the land, what was to happen to the people, and to what was going to happen to the future of their kingdom. And once they found Hank, he moved to this country, and over time, he learned how to operate as the governor or the king of the land, and he began to make some minor adjustments. And as you can imagine, any Hallmark movie, there was a love story and everything worked out. Was anybody confused on that situation? Yeah, okay, I didn't think so. But there was a takeaway from the movie that I want you to understand when it comes to our kingdom talk that we are on. Uh, without someone to govern the kingdom, the neighboring kingdom was trying to take over the land and the people, and the neighboring kingdom did not have the best intentions for this particular kingdom that Hank was now overseeing. Jesus said that we are here not to win, but to occupy territory until his return. Why do we need to occupy territory? Because there is a bad kingdom that's trying to reign and take over the good kingdom that's on earth. Now, you guys, I'm going to have to get you guys a little more wound up. All right. When there is no king in the kingdom, the people lose their territory. When there is no king in the kingdom, the domain that the king once operated in starts losing ground. They're not in it yet, Mom. I should have done a longer recap. The Bible says, thanks, Debbie, in 2 Corinthians, let's look at it as Adrian reads this, please. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So heaven is in a realm that is not seen with our natural eyes. The territory or the kingdom of heaven is unseen at this moment. But as we concluded a moment ago, the king owns everything. So here we live on the earth. Jesus owns it all. But we have not occupied what the kingdom is supposed to look like on earth. The enemy is a bad governor trying to rule a land that we are to occupy. Are you following me? Are you following me? It says in Psalms 8-6. You got, this is going to be, okay, all right, just go. Yeah. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Who did God give dominion to? Us. What is dominion? Control. So it literally means that God has given you and I control over the works of our hands and over the works of our feet. It goes on to say in Psalms 24. The earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof. Say it again. The earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof. If I am reading my Bible correctly, which I... I think I am in studying this. Write this down. The Lord is in ownership. The Lord is in ownership. You guys got to follow me. How many of you ever rented or leased a property? Yeah, okay. Um, in a rental agreement, the property does not belong to you, but the activity during the duration of the time you are there is up to you. God is in control of the earth as the owner, but he has given you and I dominion as tenants. Let me, let me say it this way. God is in ownership, and you have a rental agreement of the duration of the time of while you have on earth, meaning you have control of what your hands and feet do. No. Okay, if God was in control, this world would be a lot different position. Would you not agree? Everything by noon would be fixed. 
so it's obvious that God is not in control of what happens on the earth. He has given you and I dominion of what happens on the earth because there is a governing king that's trying to reign and take down you who is supposed to be the rightful dominion authority operator. Oh, you guys, come on. The Bible says that God has given man dominion on the earth. We just read, man has control. So I know this is hard to understand, but it's, um, it, it's something that uh, a lot of people say, you've probably been guilty of it, I've been guilty of it. When something bad happens, oh, that's just, well, I've never said it this way, but uh, that's just the big man upstairs, and he's going to do what he wants to do, and he's got control. Let me tell you something. When a tornado came through more a few years ago and took out children, that was not my God. When a hurricane comes and wipes out entire geographic regions of area, that is not God. So if God is in control, why is that stuff happening? Because he's given you and I dominion over the things of the earth that God is in ownership and it's up to you to respond to what takes place in the duration of the lease that you have on earth while you are here. Are you following me? So what happens is people don't know that they have the power inside of them that they know that they should have. So here's the deal. God is the owner, but you have been given the authority to occupy the land that is here to walk in everything that heaven has for you to walk in. All right, let's read this next verse. We're not even getting started yet. My, my engine's not revving yet. Let's look in your outline, in your notes, Romans 8. 20. It's kind of long, but go ahead and read the whole thing. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together, groaning together in the, the pains of childbirth mm. until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inward, inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. The Bible says the earth was subjected to futility. How many of you know what the word futility means? If you raise your hand, I'm going to call you out. I didn't think so. I had to look it up. Too. Come on, I, you would. You would. Uh, I had to look it up. Futility means the earth is incapable of producing any results. So when you look at it, it says, for the creation was subjected to a place that could not produce results. Hmm. The earth can no longer function how it was created because now the earth is in the pain of childbearing. It is groaning. We have hurricanes happening, tornadoes and earthquakes. The earth does not know what to do. It is bucking back and forth, rocking and acting out in pain of the childbearing. And we just read in verse 22. The whole creation has been groaning with pain. So let me say it this way. The earth was never created to operate outside of the atmosphere of perfection that had a proper governance of the king of kings. When man sinned, it brought destruction to everything outside of the realm of the unseen, not just man. John 3.16, everyone in here can probably quote it. For God so loved the world. It does not say God loved people. For God so loved the world, that means he loved the people, the animals, the trees, the ground, the earth, the water, the seas, everything that he created, he loved. But now what happened when man sinned, there was no one to govern the land, and so now we have a land that is producing hurricanes, and there's no one to speak to it. Ooh. 
we're going somewhere and you're going to have to wreck your faith a little bit. If you think God's a dignified little box, I'm going to get you out of your box today. When man sinned, the earth is now under the satanic kingdom of sin. Jesus comes along and tells you that you have been given authority to occupy until I come back. So now there is an earthly kingdom that is out of control because there's no one who operates in the government of king and walks in the fullness of the authority that God has put in them. The enemy is not a king. He can't do whatever he pleases. He tries to make you think that he can, but he is, he is limited in every sense of the word. This is why Jesus was on the boat and the boat began to rock and crash in the way Waves crashed, the waves, the, the wind crashed into it. And what did Jesus say? Peace be still. He was showing that as a kingdom minded citizen, you have authority over everything that happens on this earth. All right. He used his authority to show that as a man, there is nothing on this earth that I can't come against and speak to. There was a fig tree that was not even supposed to be producing uh, fruit, and he walks by the fig tree and curses it, and the next time they walk by, that tree is withered up and died. What kind of authority is that? It's the same authority you and I have. (laughs) Are you ready for this? Are you really ready? Thanks, Abigail. I heard my Uncle Jim tell a story one time. My uncle was a, a property developer or in Stillwater. And he said, he, he, the details are a little fuzzy to me, so I'm going to tell you both ways. He either had just had a lot of concrete poured, like he was building, I think, 80 or 90 houses. He either had just a lot of concrete poured, or he had done a lot of dirt work for the 80 or 90 houses. I don't remember which one of those it was. The rest of the story is accurate. He's standing out there one day, and there's a storm coming in. All this work had just been done, and he's telling me about this later. He said, Taylor, the storm was coming in. If that storm would have hit what we had just done, it would have cost me more than I had the, the, the finances to be able to spend. He said, I had something literally rise up in me. I spoke to the and said, you will not come on this property because I am a child of God. I am a tither. I am telling you, you do not have access to this. He says, as God is my witness, that storm went right around him. Not a single drop of water landed on his property. Fast forward, Mike, uh, can I tell you this? I'm going to tell it anyway. Just a couple of months ago, Adrian and I were in Tulsa. Mike calls me. Our houses are very close to each other. I'm getting word hail is coming to our property. He's getting word hail is coming to his property. He stands on the back porch. He looks at the storm and says, hail, you will not come and mess up my house again. I will not go through this. As God is my witness, you can look on the radar map. That storm divides in the, in the field behind our house, and our houses aren't touched. If yours got it, sorry. It was because he prayed for it and yours got blasted you should have called him something came up in him and he had dominion over what the devil was trying to do the earth is bucking and shaking and not knowing what to do until someone with the authority walks in and says i got this because my god says i can come on give god a big shout of praise now let me back that up and say you can't just randomly walk around and be like, oh, okay, all right, no, 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 that's not how this works. You have to become skilled at using your authority. The greater level of skill that you develop, the greater level of victory you can walk in. This is why Jesus said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, why would he use a seed so small? He wanted to show you how small the devil really was. He wanted to show you that if you had something just so minuscule, you had authority over the devil. In a kingdom, there is a king that must govern the land. If there's no one there to govern the land, the land in the satanic kingdom brings destruction.
So how do we as kingdom citizens access the kingdom of heaven on earth? To occupy the territory of which we were called to govern until Jesus comes and returns. We're going to answer that question over the next few weeks. Um, so you're not going to want to miss it. It's <laughs> next week we're going to do some spiritual warfare. Ooh, just that's all I'm going to say. When God originally formed the earth, the earth would not produce vegetation on its own. Um, let me, let me say it again. When God formed the earth, the vegetation, the land produced vegetation on its own. It wasn't that it didn't do it. It, it did do it. Uh, the, the land that we live on was never meant to be plowed by physical labor. Physical labor is a result of sin. Some of you just found your word from God. <laughs> I can't do physical labor because I'm trying to be like Christ. Um. But when God spoke, he said, let there be, and something that was not there came into an existence. When God said, let there be land and trees and vegetation, he spoke it and the earth produced it. We were given that same authority on earth that we were to speak. That's why he gave Adam the authority to name all the animals. You speak and what you say comes to an existence. So the physical labor of work, manual labor that we have today, was not the original intention of how the earth was supposed to be produced. But when sin came, it polluted it. So now we live in a society and a land that is polluted by sin, and we have to learn how to govern ourselves inside that kingdom. God created aspects of the heavenly kingdom that functioned by principle. He spoke and it came. Does that make sense? There were laws that just worked, kind of like gravity. It just works. You can't explain it. You can't understand the, the depths of it. You can try, but you can't. It just works. It is a law that God has put into place. I want to show you three laws or principles about the kingdom of heaven that just work. The principle is shown to us in the Bible using windows, gates, and heavens. We're going to be talking more next week, but with windows, gates, and heavens. Let me show you. This is going to be fun. Are you ready? All right. This is, I, didn't, I didn't hear you. Are you ready? Okay. This is not going to be a, a money message, but for this first principle, it's directly related to money, and I want you to get my heart behind it. Uh, in, uh, so I've been studying it for a while. There are three. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm not going to go down that road. Have you ever seen... Um, that Disney movie, National Treasure, and they keep saying there's more to the map. There's more, every time they find another clue, there's more to the map. And every time they find another clue, there's more to the map. There's more to the map. That's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to show you these three. Next week, there's more to the map. We're, we're, we're putting a map out there to access everything the kingdom has, but there's more to the map. Are you following me? All right, when you tithe, the Bible says in Malachi 3.10, look at your notes. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God said, I will open a window for you, meaning I give you access to my laws and I'm showing you how to access my law of blessing and benefit from it. Some of you have never opened up the window for blessing. You're wondering why you're living broke. You're wondering why things don't work out for you. You wonder why you got more month than you do money. It's because you've never opened the window of blessing. There are laws that God has put into place. If you choose not to use them, it's up to you. Anyone has access to them, but the principle just works. Write down in your notes, windows represent blessings. 
Windows represent blessings. You don't tithe once and call it blessed. Every time you tithe, you open a window. How many of you on a nice, cool day have ever opened a single window in your house? Yeah, it's kind of nice. When you open that single window, do you get constant gust? Why not? You've only opened one window. (laughs) So what happens whenever you tithe and you only open up one window and you come back and say, why come God hasn't blessed me? You can't feel it. So the Bible says there are windows. It is plural, not singular. So that would imply there are many windows that can be open when it comes to your blessing. I can be blessed in my giving to the church. I can be blessed in giving to the poor. I can be blessed by giving to those in need. I can open up another window when I give my resources. In your notes, look at this. The more opportunities I give for the windows of heaven to be open, the greater draft of God's provision comes into my life. Woo! At Pathway, we don't just give a little. We've, I, I looked at it just last night. 14% of everything that comes in here, we've already given out. 14%. So whenever you give to this church, it's not going just to pay bills. It's going because we're feeding people. We're helping water wells get established. I just joined in with a group uh, just, just last week uh, through the Billy Graham. They have the, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the Operation Christmas Child? He has a partnership program inside of that that just hit me a little bit different this week. They take people who have been in the military and that their lives basically fell apart marriage-wise. They came back with PTSD. They came back with all sorts of problems. They take those people to Alaska and spend two weeks with them and get them the rehabilitation help that they need. And there was like a $2,700 cost per each couple. So I said, hey, we want to back that up. So we went and wrote them a check to back that up. We will be a church that's generous. So whenever you give here, you're opening up not a single window. You're opening up windows of blessing to come upon your life. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. Terrence, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. You don't have a choice, that's right. (laughs) Terrence started tithing, I know this story from a while back. Terrence started tithing before I ever knew him. How old were you, 19? 23, okay. Uh, He said, I'm getting serious about tithing, mainly because Devin was super needy and wanted a lot of stuff, and he's like, that was his words, not mine. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, He and Devin started tithing and then within four years of whenever they got serious about it, an opportunity came for them to buy a business. I called them this week to verify this part of it um, on Tuesday. And they have continued to tithe. And I'm not talking dollar amount because that's none of my business. But I will say this. This is what Terrence said. This last month, we had more invoices sent out than any other month we've ever had in the history of this business. You don't think that's because he doesn't have an owner who's tithing? You're mistaken if you don't. The windows of heaven have opened up over his business and they continue to get contract over contract because he doesn't just give once and call it good and say, okay, I opened up that wind window so I got a little bit of a wind coming through here. He's like, I got too much of a high maintenance wife. I need the full blessing of God to come upon me and so I need multiple windows in my life opened up. So there are times whenever you've got to live in under a mode of thinking differently. If you've only opened up one window, you'll have the blessing of only what one window will produce. But if you want to live in the full blessing of God, you have to open up multiple windows. And the more windows you open up, the greater sense of the draft of God's provision comes on your life. Say amen. Amen. All right. Just because you opened a window does not mean you have access to the kingdom. 
You have to go through the entrance to get the access to the kingdom. The Bible has shown us that heaven is not only windows, but it has gates. Um, if you try to go through the window of my house, you're going to get yourself shot. So do you have full access to my house trying to go through a window? Do you have full access to heaven when you try to scroll through through a window? All right, just making sure. You guys are doing good. Heaven has a gate at the entrance. St. Peter is there checking to see if you have been given the legal right to have access to the fullness of what heaven has to offer you. We're going to be talking on the courtroom here in about three weeks. Oh, it's going to be so good, Adrian. I wish I could do it today. In your notes, write down on the top of the back page, gates represent access. Everything that Satan does is to be a counterfeit to what is true. He knew that there was going to be a gate to heaven because the gate is what gives you access to the kingdom. So Satan wanted to mimic this trickery to get you to believe that there are two different roads that you can walk down. And the different roads both lead to good things. So he developed another gate that gives you access to mimic what God was trying to do. And so Satan's trying to uh, pervert the truth by saying, come down this road and you'll have access to this kingdom. Matthew seven thirteen, in the, your notes. The road to heaven is narrow, and the, and the gate is narrow. But. The road to hell is wide, and the gate is wide. If you're not sure which road you are on, let me give you four ideas real quick, and help you figure out which road you're on. Write down in your notes, number one, the narrow road is difficult, the wide road is easy. I think we can all agree that being a Christian has a price that has to be paid I heard John Maxwell one time say, everything in life worth having is uphill. The wide road is easy. Live how you want, do what you want, say what you want, think what you want, talk like it you want, however you want. That's easy, anybody can do that. Which road are you on? Are you walking down that narrow road or are you living your life like, hey, hey, life of the party? Number two, the narrow road is long. The wide road is short. The Bible shows us that when you were born in the kingdom, you were born in the kingdom of destruction, so you were born on the short road. <laughs> You're already there. Hmm. The road to heaven is long, and we have to live that out by becoming a fully devoted disciple. <laughs> Number three, the road, the narrow road is disciplined. The wide road is undisciplined. We talked about it a, a few weeks ago. Discipline is the key to, come be, to become who you are in Christ. Anyone can be lazy. You get off work, you go sit on your phone, you watch TV. Anyone can do that. Go be a loser somewhere else, not in my house. Isn't that right, Matthew? He's like, oh, I don't know what to say. Anyone can be lazy. Anyone can be undisciplined. But to walk the narrow road, you've got to discipline what you say, discipline what you do, discipline how you talk, discipline where you go. You've got to create disciplines in your life that will help you reach your destiny. Number four, the narrow road is thoughtful and the wide road is thoughtless. The overall theme of Jesus is to be a servant. As believers, we have to put others before us. I'm continually amazed when you go through the drive through and even at Chick-fil-A, the Christian restaurant, the people still cut you off. You're like, that's my turn to go. They get in there fast. They're not servants. Being a disciple of Christ is putting others first. 
I don't let what someone else says. I don't let what someone else does. I don't let what someone else thinks even bother me. I could really care less because I will not let somebody else stop my assignment. Okay. I will not lower my standards to someone else's inferiority. (laughs) Which gate are you approaching? There may be certain areas of your life that you're approaching the wrong gate. I want to encourage you to check which pathway you're on. There are different areas of your life. You're like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching the right gate over here, but over here I'm missing it. So heaven has windows of blessing that anyone can access. Heaven and hell both have gates that determine who has full access. The last one we're going to look at, because of time-wise, I'm skipping ahead some. Doors represent opportunities. Doors represent opportunities. Go ahead and read in your outline, Revelations 3, 8. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. 2 Corinthians 2, 12. When I came to preach the gospel, a, a door, door was opened for me. Acts 14. When they arrived and gathered at the church, I opened a door to faith for the Gentile people. Doors represent opportunities. Now, you have to choose if you want to walk through the door or not. We said it a while ago. You've been given all authority on heaven and earth. Now, it's up to you if you choose to walk through the door or not. Let's just be transparent with each other. We're family here. How many of you have ever gone through a door and it's shut? We all have. If you don't, you're lying. It's part of it. We have been through four major transitions in our life. Adrienne and I. Um, when I say transitions, like relocating, like not just like she's mad at me, that's every day. But like this, no, I'm just kidding. Four transitions. If you were married to me, wouldn't you be mad at me every day too? So it's not me, it's her. I mean, <laughs> I'm talking like, relocating and stuff and the first one we didn't recognize early on that it was actually God that was leading us but over the course of four different transitions we started learning how God was moving in our lives and was preparing us for a season of transition how doors that were once wide open begin to sometimes slowly shut but most of them got slammed shut anybody else feel that yeah um, in transparency, I remember Adrian and I talking multiple times. Did we miss it? I thought this is what God had told us to do. I thought we, I thought we did what was right, and we're like, why is this door shutting? It doesn't make sense. And having a wife that's always right, just remember that, uh, she would come back and say, man cannot shut any door that God opened. Man cannot shut any door that God opened. So it changed our perspective of saying the door didn't shut because we did something. Now, if you're an idiot and you make bad choices and you say bad things, that's on you. But if there is, and I shouldn't have said idiot, but you get what I'm saying. If, you, if, you're, doing what, if you're doing what's right, everything is going well, and then all of a sudden doors begin to shut, it is because there is a transition or a season that God is getting ready to take you through. You just haven't learned what that season looks like. So I would love to go into great detail about some of our transitions or seasons, and I will probably in a book one day that I'm going to sell you for $8.99. And 
You guys, you guys will get it for free, I promise. Um, but here's one thing I've learned through the transitions that we've gone through. If God shuts the door, quit trying to reopen that closed door. You felt that one, huh? Some of you have been trying to reopen doors that God shut. The second thing I learned from our transitions, I put this one in your notes because I just thought it was so good. You can't open the next door if you still have a foot in the old door. In the kingdom living, God uses doors to create opportunities for you. Now comes the question, when one door shuts and another door does not open, I think we've all been there, what do we do? That's called the transition. Transitions are for short periods of time. They were never meant for extended amounts of time. The Israelites never intended to take 40 years to get to the promised land. A door opened and they messed up the transition. <laughs> if you're going through a transition and the next door is not opening up, it is because you still have a foot in the last door that you have not given yet up over to God. There is still something in you that God is trying to do on the inside of you that has not been accomplished yet. So the next door can't open because God can't take you to the next door with the baggage of what was from the old door. One thing I do know, God opens doors. That is the nature of who God is. God can't take you through the new door when you still have all the baggage of what the old door represented in your life. You have not allowed God to fully take you to a place where everything about you is stripped away. Here's what I've learned in, in transitions. Leaving a season becomes confusing. Doesn't it? You're confused. Why is this happening? Why is it going on? I don't think, I don't understand. Why is this? I don't, I, it, your mind becomes in a fog. But entering a new season, there becomes doubt. You begin to doubt what God's doing in your life. You begin to question, well, God, I did this, I did this. How come you're not doing this? Because God's not done working in you yet. He can't open the next door until you get all that doubt out of your life. He can't open the next door until he gets you prepared for what the next door is going to bring. Because the one thing I know about open doors, at least how it's worked in our life, every new door opened up a bigger and better calling upon my life. So how can I go into the next calling the way I left the last one? I can't. Something has to be changed on the inside of me. Let me go ahead and call it out what it is. It's pride. I was reading in 1 Samuel 18 on Monday afternoon. I'm in a Bible plan, and this was the text that I was reading. I wanted to apply it here because it made sense. It says, David had the hand of God upon his life. And in verse 5, I put it in your outline. David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. That's a big deal. When the king sends you out and you are a success, the king is going to promote you. That kept happening. And one day, whenever David and the men got back from battle, there was a great party. And check this out. The girls were singing. And this is what they were singing. Gina, they were singing this song in 1 Samuel 18. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made King Saul mad. In verse 5 of, Samuel, of 2 Samuel 18, David was being promoted. In verse 7, he's being removed and demoted. And you read later that the king starts throwing spears at him. <laughs> so as soon as David goes through a new door, there's an enemy trying to take him down. But David remained true. 
In the kingdom of God, what we do in the seasons of transitions is how God shows us his faithfulness for the next door to be opened up. I'm gonna say that again because I don't think you understood it. In the kingdom of God, in the season of transitions, how we show God our faithfulness is how and when the next door will open up. When you are whining about what God isn't doing in your life, why is God going to open up another door for you? I heard Kenneth Hagin, this has nothing to do with that, but I heard Kenneth Hagin Sr. one time say, what well, kind of does? He said, I never complain about gas prices. And this is what, how old was Kenneth Hagin? This was like 1960 when gas price was like five cents. He's like, even back then, it was still expensive for what was going on. He said, I never complain about gas prices because if I do, it shows my God that I think that lack is going to be superior over to me. I'm not going to whine and complain about something that I can't control. I'm not going to whine and complain about something that God has already provided my need for. So why are you complaining about a door that hasn't opened up? Do you trust God or do you not? <laughs> Kingdom-mindedness keeps me walking, talking, believing, trusting that God's got the next door opened up ready for me to go through. As we are heading for the runway, look at that door right there, Terrence. Everyone, we look at that door. There's not a lock on it, but pretend Terry put a lock on it yesterday and we can't go through it. If I went through that door and said, hey, door, it's me. I, Taylor, I own the building. Open that up. Would that door open up? Why not? It's my property. It should open up for me. But if I gave our Pharaoh the key to that door, who now has access to the door? We both have access, but only one of us gets in. Whenever you have the key, to open the door, and you use the key in the door, you get the benefits of what's on the other side of that door. I have a keypad lock on my front door. Any one of you are welcome to come to my house at any given point in time, but there's only one problem. I got cameras and I got a lock, and you don't know the key to that lock, and so you can't get in. But if I called you up and said, hey, here's my combination, one, two, three, four, five, six, every one of you would have full access to my house and have everything available to you. Only if you choose to go there and do it, though. I can give you the key all day long, but if you don't take it and apply it, the key doesn't do any good. So I'm giving you access on how to walk in the blessing of God. Now it's up to you. I'm giving you access of how to enter the gates of the kingdom of God. Now it's up to you. I'm giving you access of how to walk in the doors of opportunity, but it's up to you. The Bible says that God gave man authority on heaven and earth, everything on our hands and everything on our feet. So now it's up to you to go open that door. Quit praying saying, God, I need you to do this. God. God's saying the door's already open. Go walk through the door. I've already opened for you. I've given you the keys. I've given you access. Now go use them. The kingdom of God has principles and laws that are put into place. When you know how to access them and use them, you now have access to everything that the kingdom has for you. In the kingdom, there are transitions we all go through. But in the kingdom, that there are doors that will be opened to you. God has given us dominion on this earthly kingdom, and we have the right to access the heavenly kingdom. In that, I can rest assured that God will open the door. Thank you for tuning in today. 
the most important decision you can make is making Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says that because we are born into sin, there needs to be a blood sacrifice to redeem us from the curse that that sin brought us into when we were all born. God wanted to give you the opportunity to live in eternity with him. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to be that blood sacrifice for you and I. You can choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life and choose heaven, or you can choose to make this sinful world we live in your standard of living and make hell the only option. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to give you that opportunity right now. All you have to do is repeat these words after me. Say this, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I confess my sins and I repent of those sins. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a fully devoted disciple. If you just prayed that prayer, then you are saved. Congratulations on making that life-changing decision. Now is the next step. You need to start reading your Bible and get into a good Bible-believing church. You will find other people who've made the same decision that you just did, and you will help each other grow to become all that God has called you to be. If you just prayed that prayer, I want you to know that I am praying for you, that I am for you, but I need to know about it. If you would go to pathwaychurchok.com, that is pathwaychurchok, just the letters O and K.com, send us a message and let us know you prayed that prayer, and we'll send you some free resources to help you start your journey with Christ that you just started today. Thank you again for tuning in. Congratulations once again. We'll see you next time right here.